Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday evening. Today, I believe, is the 19th. Am I correct? All right, so time is flying by. We began on the 8th. Today is the 19th. And I hope you are thanking God for the privilege of coming, as I certainly do every single day. I hope you had a pleasant day today. I certainly had one. And as each, as it is with me every day, I think of you all during the day. I pray for you. I pray over the request cards. As I told you, I spread them over my bed, show them to God several times a day, and I ask God, please, take an individual look at every card, every request, soften every hard heart, bring conviction to every resisting mind. And I pray that prayer, and I ask God to bless you. And I believe that he is. So I'm very happy to see you. Those of you with us for the first time, may I see your hands? Bless you. God bless you. God bless you over here. God bless you, my dear brother, if I missed a hand because of the glare of the lights. God bless you. I see you. Thank you very much for coming. And those of you who have come night after night, thank you for your faithfulness. Let us now bow our heads and pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the life you've given to us today. We thank you, dear God, for the privilege of sitting in your presence to listen to your divine word. We ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, please enlighten us. Grant to your manservant the words to say. Give to me the words and the promise you gave to Moses when you said to him, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Be with my mouth and be with the hearts and minds of my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our subject for tonight, good gifts come from above. Good gifts come from above. And I took my title from James chapter 1, verse 17, which says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Good gifts come from above let us go over some things i have said particularly a few things i said about jesus christ and the reason why i will review them it is because understanding this about christ is fundamental and foundational to your relationship with christ and to mine and it is that the jesus who walked the streets of galilee who fell asleep in a boat, the Jesus in whose face human beings spat, the Jesus who went hungry, who said, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head, the Jesus who got his meals from house to house, frequently at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the Jesus whom very few people believe, this was the same person who said, Let there be light. It is essential to understand that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the creator God of Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at a few verses that identify Jesus Christ as the creator. Colossians chapter 1. Reading verses 16 and 17. For by him, referring to Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, 
all things were created by him. Now, this does not exclude the Father and the Holy Ghost. All three were included. But the verse says, all things were created by him, meaning that Jesus was indeed the central figure of creation. Is that clear? All things were created by him and without and, and for him. And verse 70 says, and he is before all things and by him. All things consist, meaning that Christ not only made, but it is he who keeps things running. You must understand this. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, reading from verse 1. Hebrews 1, reading from verse 1 as we continue. Good gifts come from above. Hebrews 1, reading from verse 1, the Bible says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Let's go to John chapter 1. And we'll read from verse 1 as we continue. Good things come from where? above good things come from above john chapter 1 reading from verse 1 the bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god verse 3 all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made who is this him look at verse 14 and the word was what became flesh and dwelt among us Go up to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. So we have biblical evidence that the one who said, let there be light, let there be a firmament, let the earth bring forth grass, this was the same person who came down. No one has ever fallen lower than Jesus Christ. Perhaps fallen is not a good word. No one has ever descended lower than Jesus Christ. From creator, he laid aside his divine privileges. I said laid aside, not give up. He laid aside, he sub subjected himself to the Father and he came as you and I. So that he could walk in our shoes and feel the pinch. So that now as a risen priest, Christ can intercede on our behalf. By the way, of the three members of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the one who will judge is Christ. John 5.22, the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. When you read from the lips of Christ that Christ says, I judge no one, Christ is saying while he was on the earth. He did not come to judge. But having gone back, and he's the one coming back, he's coming back to execute judgment. Jesus is the judge. Why? Because he understands divinity and humanity because he combines both. Now, having given us that review, let's go to my favorite book. What book is that? Genesis chapter 1. Every good gift comes from where? Above. Meaning simply from God. 
a God of love, a God of generosity, a God of patience that seems endless. Genesis 1, reading verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, there is a word in that verse I want to direct your attention to. And that word is dominion. When God made Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion, not ownership. With dominion, Adam and Eve had to give an account to God. They were supervisors of the earth. They were caretakers. When you are a caretaker, you have to give an account to the person to whom what you're taking care of belongs. When you own, you don't have to give an account to anyone. Adam and Eve were given dominion by God as an expression of his image. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Every good gift is from above. The, one of the gift, good gifts God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden was dominion. And that gift continues today. When Adam and Eve left the garden, unfortunately, they still had dominion. Not to the same degree, but they had some form of dominion. That's why God says in Revelation, He will destroy those who destroy the earth, who misuse their position as having dominion. God did not give dominion for us to pollute the earth and the rivers and the streams and the lakes. God did not give mankind dominion to shoot every animal that moves. God gave dominion that man might take care of the earth in such a way that the glory of God might be seen north, south, east and west. And he expects the same thing today. Dominion. There's not a good gift that God gave. Let's go to verse 29 of Genesis 1 as we continue. Every good gift comes where? From above. Genesis 1 verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which of a street yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for me. Now God gives a dominion, and he gives mankind a diet. Come on, I need more amens than that. You know, hundreds of thousands of people die in the United States every year, and the experts are tracing much of this to the diet and the lifestyle. We dig our graves with our teeth. God said to Adam and Eve, You're perfect, but I can't let you decide what you'll eat. I'll decide it for you. Now, God didn't tell Adam and Eve how many children to have. He didn't tell them how to decorate their home. He didn't tell Adam what to call Eve. But for some reason, God said, I will not leave it up to perfect people to decide what they will eat. I will tell them. Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth. And every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for me, not only to you, and to every beast of the earth. To every fowl of the air. I heard a story of a couple or a man. He raised some lions in Africa. 
on a vegetarian diet. Then brought them to the United States. They were raised all their lives as vegetarian lions. When he brought them over, they were offered meat. And the lions turned away, and the photographers and those who were there could not believe it. They were accustomed to a non-meat diet. And when it was offered, they turned away. I don't know if they knew somehow that way back, God said, people and animals should eat plant foods. God gave dominion one good gift. He gave a diet, another good gift from above. Let's look at another good gift that God gave to Adam and Eve and thereby to all of humankind. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, reading verse 8. As we continue, every good gift comes where? From above. Yes, indeed, good gifts come from above. Genesis chapter 2, what verse did I say? Verse 8, the Bible says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. In other words, Adam's home, in a very special, private way, was in the east of Eden. That was his home, his private home. Yes, he had dominion over the entire world, but every man and woman wants to have a place that he or she can call what? Home. Come on, say amen for home. What is it we say? There's no place. I travel all over the place by God's goodness. But there's no place like home, even if home is under a tree, behind a rock. There is no place like home. And so God gave Adam and Eve a home. This is your home. And the Bible says God planted, God built it. The Bible says somewhere they live except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain that built it. Is God building your home? Did he build the one? I don't mean the structure, the walls and the plaster. and the, I mean what goes on there. Is God the architect of our homes? And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Dominion, good gift. Diet, good gift. Health is important to God. A home, good gift. Let's look at the next good gift from above. Verse 15 of Genesis 2. As we continue, good gifts come from above. And I thank God for good gifts. What do you say? Amen. Oh yes. He knows what's good for us. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. What's that? Work. Say amen for work. The devil finds work for idle hands to do. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Work is a blessing from God for our physical benefit and for our development of character. Work. The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He put him in a home and he showed him where he had to work. We are required to work. Not necessarily 9 to 5 for someone, but as long as you're alive, make good use of your mental and physical energies. Dominion. Take care of the earth. The part that you call yours. 
the land you bought, your neighborhood. Keep it clean. Don't litter. Respect all forms of life. Dominion. Because those who are saved will have dominion again. And God is watching the kind of dominion we exercise now. Because there's a connection between how you live now and how you will live then. Some people believe that an iron curtain comes down between this life and the life to come. Mm -mm. The life to come is affected by how we live now. It is. You're sloppy and lazy, and somehow in the last five minutes of your life, God saves you. You can't be given high responsibilities in the new world. Mm -mm. Now, since you have an eternity, you'll improve, I'm sure. But at first, mm -mm. God will give you little things that suit the lazy disposition you had. Then you'll grow. Say amen for growth. Let me say it again in all seriousness and gravity. How we live now affects what God will allow us to do in the life to come. There is an unbroken connection between this life and that life. Because when Jesus comes, and I know I'm digressing, I'll get back to good gifts. When Jesus comes, everything is destroyed but the character. Even the body is changed, only the character remains intact. And here on earth is where we form the character, then we take it to heaven. There is a connection between now and then. And God deserves hardworking people to inhabit the new world. What do you say? God deserves honest people to inhabit the new world. He gave Adam and Eve work. He gave them dominion. Take care of my world. He gave them a diet. Take care of your body which belongs to me. He gave them a home. This is yours. When your children come, they will have their homes. Take care of your home. He gave them work. Dress it. And keep it. Then he gave them what many of us don't like. Gift number five. He gave them limits. You've heard the expression, pushing the envelope, I'm sure you have. That is a function of the carnal nature. We love to test limits. We think only children do that. But that's not true. Human beings do that. And so God said, Genesis 2.16, let's go there with me. As we continue, good gifts come from above. Genesis 2.16. The Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. Let's pause right there without finishing verse 17. Adam, look at all these trees, fruit trees. Every single one is at your disposal as a source of energy, food. Adam, as a reasonable God, I am reserving just one tree for myself. Now, isn't that a soft-hearted God? Couldn't God have said, Adam, of every tree of the garden, you may not eat, except you may eat of one. God could have said that. And the test for Adam would have been difficult. When you reverse it, and I'm straying again, but that's okay, you understand how easy the test was. God said, look, you may eat of all these trees except one. I can imagine an easier test 
God could have given Adam. Clearly, God wanted him to pass. Don't you like God? Don't you love God? I'm sure you have some professors on maybe not this campus, some other campus, who specialize in sadistic behavior. They write exams knowing that you will lose 10 pounds by the time you come out of that room. Take pride in writing difficult exams. God wrote the easiest exam a human being has ever had to take. Of all these trees you eat, just leave one for me. One. And Adam failed. You know, God says, there's seven days in a week. I just want one. God is so sweet. God says, look, for every $10, I want one. It's always one. You keep most. I just want one. And our hearts are so, we say, "Mm -mm. your demands are too great. How could you ask for one out of ten? That's what we tell God. I need all ten. I need all the trees. I need all seven days. But God said, they're mine. I know. But I need them. He gave Adam and Eve dominion. Take care of my world. He gave them a diet. Take care of yourself. He gave them a home. This is yours. It's private. He gave them work. Be busy. It builds you physically. It builds the character. It's good for your moral. It keeps you out of trouble. He gave them limits. This is mine. Don't touch it. In other words, thus far, no further. Then he gave them consequences. Gift number six. Don't you like the fact that in this country there are consequences for crime? Aren't you glad? Yes. Don't you impose consequences on your children? Please say yes. You don't? Well, please put on your card, pray for me, Pastor, because I I need prayer. Put that on your card. Children need to understand there are consequences. So do adults. Now, God gave consequences to perfect people. He said, look, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God wants to surprise no one. God does not fight with guerrilla tactics. He doesn't fight. God does not believe in ambush. God believes in coming right face to face. God says, here's the light, follow it. Here's the truth, obey. If you do contrary to what I say, you will die. Which means sin is the violation of the revealed will of God. Let me say that again. Sin is the violation of the revealed will of God. Let me add something else. When you really don't know, God overlooks. You ought to say amen for that. If God weren't like that, many of us would be dead. When we don't know, when we're ignorant, let me tell you what ignorance is biblically. Ignorance is, I don't know, and I have no way of knowing. 
God does not accept, don't tell me. Mm -mm, that does not wash or work with God. Many people try it, don't tell me. God does not accept that. Ignorance God accepts is this. I don't know. I did not know. I had no way of knowing. I say again, sin, let me add something to it, that carries guilt is the violation of the plainly revealed will of God. Adam knew God's will. He violated it. There was no ignorance. God could not overlook it. He punished him. Dominion, diet, a home, work, limits, consequences. You stay up late every night, you compromise your immune system, you get sick. Do it long enough, you may get cancer. You can't put a knife to your throat, chances are you'll add some pounds. Won't study in school, you get C's and D's and E's and F's and G's. <laughs> Alphabet grades. That's the way it works. Consequences. We go from consequences to companionship. Let's go to verse 18 of Genesis 2. Good gifts come from above is our subject. And these gifts came from God for the happiness of the whole world. They came from God. The Lord said, it is not good that man should be what? Alone I will make him and help meet for him. Now let me say something about companionship. When God said it is not good that man should be alone, God did not mean it is not good that anyone should be single. It had that application then because Adam was, it was just Adam and Eve. But we must also include what God really meant was it is not good for people to be lonely. Loneliness is a dangerous thing. Because there are many lonely people who are married. There are many marriages where there's no companionship. So it's not, it is not good for someone to be single. For some people, it's the best thing for them. But it is not good to be lonely and isolated and without social support. Companion. And so we need one another. I need you. And you need me. We have friends. We need friends. We need buddies. We need pals. We need a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Come, what do you say? We need that. Husband gets you upset, you run to your girlfriend. <laughs> and you complain about your husband. You get your husband upset, your husband goes to his pal. Complains about you. Hopefully his pal knows how to keep his mouth shut. We need friends. Jesus says, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. John 15, 15. But I have called you friends. We need companionship. We need social support. I am depressed today. Who can I talk to? Where can I go? Who cares? It is not good. That man should be alone, lonely, isolated, alone, without support. And so he gave them dominion. Gave them a diet, gave them a home, gave them work, gave them limits, told them the consequences when the limits are crossed. He said, listen, mankind is a social creature. You need companionship. 
Then he gave them marriage. Come on, say amen for marriage. Let's go to verse 21 of Genesis 2. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken, where? Out of man. Then in verse 24, God says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God gave to the human family the institution of marriage. Let me add one word to that. Monogamous. Marriage. That's a big word. What I mean is, one man, one woman, one spouse at a time. Well, sometimes people pass away in all seriousness. One at a time. Monogamous. Not one man and one man, as is the case now. Yes, men marry men. Women marry women. On TV. And if you talk about it, you're guilty of hate speech. That's why the truth can get you in jail. I understand our cousins across the border to the north Canada, there's some things you can't say about homosexual behavior or same-sex marriage. You may end up in prison. God said, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. Man is singular, wife is singular. Man is male, wife is female. As a matter of fact, the only physical information the Bible gives us about Adam and Eve is that one was male, one was female. It doesn't give us the color of the skin, the height of Adam, the texture of the head, the, the, the 36, 24, 36 for Eve. We have none of that. All we know at a physical level is one was a man, one was a woman. Therefore, gender differences must be important to God. I want to look at you and know you're a woman. I want to look at you and know I'm looking at a man so I know how to behave. God wants the difference to be clear. That's a man. That's a woman. That's a husband. And that's his one wife. That's her wife, and that's her one husband. He gave them dominion, a good gift from above. He gave them a diet, a good gift from above for their happiness. He gave them a home, good gift from above. He has a home, we must have ours. He gave them work, his work take care of the universe, our work take care of the earth. He gave them limits. There's something God can't do. He's omnipotent, but he can't lie. He has limits. It's a mystery, omnipotent God with limits. He can't lie. He can't forget. He gave them consequences. And there's a consequence implied in Hebrews 6.13. The Bible says, when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. God put himself up as collateral for our salvation. The consequence was, if he failed to save us, he could not continue as God. That's a consequence. God put a consequence on himself because he said, look, 
I swear I can save you. And he looked around to see if there were anyone in the universe greater than he was. And there wasn't anyone, the Bible says, he swear by himself. He put himself up as collateral. And the consequence is, if you don't pay the debt, you give up the collateral. You think it was easy for God to save us? We don't understand the risk. Consequences. Companionship. Know someone. Encourage someone. Don't be self-centered. Focus on someone else. Also have companionship with the animals. That's why Adam named them. Give them marriage. All of these things Adam and Eve took with them when they went out of the garden. My good brother will bring me something. Thank you. Now, who here believes that dominion over the earth, taking care of the earth is a good thing? Anyone believes that? Come and help me. Someone who believes that, come and help me. I need one person who believes that. Come and help me. Come. Come quickly. You're athletic. You're good looking. Come. <laughs> this is Dr. Feifel. Say amen for my brother. All right. Feifel, I want you to stand right over here and hold up dominion. I'll take your Bible. Don't panic. I'll give it back to you. All right, here we go. Hold up dominion. Can you see dominion? Say amen for dominion. Then God gave them a diet. Who believes in proper eating? Come, come, come and help me. Come, come, come. Here comes another doctor, Dr. Jason Shive. Jump out of the seat, Jason. Come. Say amen for Jason. That was weak. Say it again. All right. Okay, Brother Jason, come. Jason believes in a good diet. Hold this up, Brother Jason. Stand right here. Diet. Who believes in a home? Anyone believes in a home? Come, my dear sweet sister, come. You know, the beauty of a home is the woman in it. Come on, say amen for women. All right, come, sister, come. Yes, there she comes, like a ballerina. Here you go. All right, hold up. This is a home. Good gifts, dominion. Good gift from above, a diet. Good gift from above, a home. Who believes in work? Because there are no lazy people listening to me. All of you believe in work. Who will come and help me? Okay, here comes my beloved brother who loves Jesus. I know he does. Come, my good brother, over that side. Work. Over here by the lovely lady. She's somebody else's wife. Say amen. All right. Okay. Who believes in limits? We can't do whatever we like. Anyone believes in limits? Come, my good brother. Come, come, come. The brother who's moving slowly. Maybe has arthritis. I'm not sure. Come, my good brother. Come. Limits. We need limits. Don't you believe in limits? Yes, come, my beloved brother. Blessings upon you. God bless you. Nice and tall. Stand over there to the right. Or right next to me. Right here. Right here. Consequences for your actions. Who believes in that? Come. This is a lawyer. He, he, he knows what we're talking about. Come. District attorney, brother Dave. Say amen. Yes, God is a lawyer. He has a law. Consequences. Right here. God gave us consequences. He gave us dominion. Say amen for dominion. He gave us a diet, say amen for a diet. He gave us a home, say amen for homes. He gave us work, say amen for work. He gave us limits, say amen for limits. He gave us consequences, say amen for consequences. Ah, who loves companionship? Anyone loves companionship? Come, my dear sister, come. Come, yes, come on up, sister, come. Blessings upon you, blessings that never end. God bless you, God bless you, God bless your companionship. Yes, not, she's not necessarily advertising, so please don't think that. But we thank you for her. Come on, say amen for my sister. Companionship, companionship, I tell you, from my heart. These are good gifts from where? Above. Who's above? God. 
Ah, you believe in marriage? You better say yes. You're sitting next to your wife. Come on. Ah, come, come, Brother Ashcroft. My good brother who helps me so much. Yes, hold this for me. Blessings upon you. Blessings upon you, Brother Ashcroft. Let's look at these gifts. Let's look at these gifts from God. They began in the Garden of Eden. And they were taken out of the Garden of Eden. God gave them for the happiness of the world. Can you imagine a world where no one is in charge of anything? Is that where you want to live? Can you imagine a world where anyone eats anything? A world where there's no home? No one has privacy? Someone can come into where you are and claim it's his? Can you imagine a world without work? Lazy people in all 50 states. God sent these good gifts from above, my beloved brothers and sisters. I know you're smiling. This is serious business. Limits. If there were no limits, I could just go out there, take your car and go. Come take your house. Run off your possessions. The police would have no limits. The army would have no limits. The FBI would have no limits. Is that what we want? We believe in limits. Consequences. To discourage people from crossing these limits consequences you do the crime you've got to do the time and God will have people do time in hell and that time never ends companionship who loves to be alone not even hermits hermits like to hang out with hermits no one likes to be alone we were not made to be alone even animals seek our companionship remember the story I told you of the dog in Kenya I patted him. Five o'clock in the morning, he's outside of my house, making a noise, my door. I opened the door, there he was. I patted him, then he went back and stretched out where he was. He wanted me to pat him. The fellowship, there is strength in fellowship. And the sweetest fellowship is Christian with Christian. What do you say? With Jesus in the middle. That's why he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, not to commit a crime. In my name, there I am. God wants to be a part of the fellowship. Marriage is the symbol God uses for his relationship with those who obey him. Which means he has one bride. That's the church of those who believe in living righteous lives by the power of Christ. And Christ himself says... He, the church, is his body. Says it through his word. Dominion. Diet. A home. Work. Limits. Consequences. Companionship. And marriage. Which one of these is bad for you? Hmm? Which one? P pick one that's bad for you. God gave these good gifts from above. Are you sure you have no problem with any of these? Anyone here who hates marriage? You hate companionship. You hate consequences. Well, most of us do. But we're glad they're there for other people. You don't hate limits. You don't hate work. You don't hate a home. You don't hate good food. 
You don't hate having something that you can take care of. My brother, come. I left out one. <laughs> when you're getting old, you forget. Something else God gave, and he sent Adam and Eve out of the garden with it. Raise it up for me. God gave that too. Now, the world looks at these good gifts and the world says, God, that's fine. Fine with me. It's okay. The world looks at that, okay, God, I love meat once in a while, but okay, I understand the medical value, the physiological benefits of a good diet. The world says, fine. I won't argue, I won't fuss. A home? No problem, God. Good choice. Work? Well, sometimes it's hard, but I understand. Okay, I get paid. Fine. <laughs> Limits? All right, sometimes I push them, but I understand. They help protect me from other people. Consequences? Okay. Sometimes they're harsh, but I understand the thinking behind consequences. Companionship? Lord, that's fine with me. I want to be able to talk things over with my friends. Have someone understand me even when I'm wrong. Like companionship. Marriage? Yes. My wife acts up sometimes, but uh, it's okay. Marriage is fine. <laughs> then we come to this one. Then we say, Lord, wait a minute. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. Uh -uh. This won't work. Let's talk. We don't like that. We don't like it. We like these. We don't like this one. And so God has to say, if thou remove thy foot from the Sabbath. What we don't understand, this one is the one that is our way of saying, thank you for all of these. This one is the one God gave us to express our thanks for all of these. And God sits in heaven. And God is a reasonable God. When he came down to destroy the world by a flood, he spoke to Noah first. When he came to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he spoke to Abraham. Before God does anything to the earth, he has to speak to someone on the earth as a representative of the earth. Now God talks to all of us. He asks us, what is wrong with this? And God is so reasonable. God says, look, if you can find one verse in the Bible that shows you where I changed this, I will listen to you. And we say, mm -mm. I don't have to find a verse. If I found a verse, I don't have to find it. I just don't like it. I was doing a crusade. Thank you, my beloved friends. You can just give all these to my good brother here. Say amen for my brothers and sisters, please. Thank you very much. Blessings on you. Can I hold on to this one? Say yes. All right.
Right here. I was conducting a similar series in the city of Detroit. And I offered $2,000 to anyone who could find me two Bible verses, $1,000 for each verse. And I'm making that offer right now. Anyone can use $2,000? Nice and crisp. I'll iron the dollars so they're nice and sharp. Anyone can use $2,000? The first thousand, if you find one Bible verse that says the first day of the week is holy. Now, I can find you several that say the seventh is. Another thousand, if you find one verse that says God changed the Sabbath from the seventh to the first. I only want two incy-wincy verses. And I'll give you two big thousand dollar bills. Who will take me up on the offer? There are no broke people in this place. I'm really speaking from my heart. Who will take me up on the offer? Now, if I said to you, find me one verse that says the seventh day is the Sabbath, who would take me up on that offer? Yeah, because you know it is here. You know that. That's what gives God an ulcer. Every good gift, every perfect gift, is from above, including this one. God says in Isaiah 58, go there with me, reading from verse 13, Isaiah 58, reading from verse 13. Do you have that? I still hear the pages, and that's good. Listen to God, speaking through Isaiah. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure, on whose holy day? My holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor it, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasures, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. Why is the word then used at the beginning of verse 14? There is a connection between the blessings in 14 and what God asks us to stop doing in 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, stop treating it. Stop walking over it. And I think as though it's yours to do whatever you want with it. Turn away the foot from the Sabbath, from doing thine own pleasure on my holy day, says God, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor it. We are called to honor this day. Not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasures, nor speaking thine own words. Verse 14, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. Meaning God says, when you respect my day, I will lift you up. I will bless your life in every area and raise you up. 
the high places of the earth. And feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. All the blessings for Abraham God will give you. And then he ends it to show how serious he is. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. A modern translation of that is you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. Go with me to Mark chapter 12. Mark 12. And we're about to close. Mark 12. Reading from verse 28. Mark is the second gospel. Mark 12, reading from verse 28. The Bible says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he answered them well, said unto him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 30, And thou shalt love the God, Lord, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first great commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Besides, there is no greater commandment than these. Verse 32, and the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other than he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now listen to verse 34. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 34. The Bible says, And when he saw, when Jesus, that is, saw, that he answered discreetly, meaning wisely, he said unto him. What did Jesus tell that man? Thou art not far from where? The kingdom of God. This may be how far away you are. You have no problem with dominion. None with diet. None with home. None with work, none with limits, none with consequences, none with companionship, none with marriage. All these gifts God gave as they left the garden, they were to function in the garden and outside. But this is the one that perhaps causes Jesus to say to you, you're not far. Am I saying you can work your way to heaven? Oh no. I am saying you cannot love Jesus and not do what he says. That's all I'm saying. Love must be expressed. And Jesus said, if you love me, you finish it. All nine of them. Let the words of Christ to that scribe sink into your heart now. Mark 12, 34. Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Where if you've come this close... It is easier to take one more step in obedience than take many steps back. What is the intelligent thing to do? One more step. Thou art not far, says Jesus. He said it to that man. He may be saying it to you. You're this close. Why miss? Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. How far from the kingdom are you? It's not my place to judge, to measure. 
I am too busy with my own situation. But God sent me to preach the truth. You are my witnesses that I preach every night from this. You know, some people say, well, that's your opinion, I have mine. Uh-uh, it's not a matter of opinion. It is, what does God's word say? If you have a Mercedes-Benz, you take it to the mechanic. He says, you know, I think you need 30-weight um, oil. And you say, no, it's 40-weight. You say, well, that's your opinion. What would you say? Check what? Check the manual. It's not a matter of opinion. Check the manual. You know, two surgeons are looking at you. You know, I think his carotid artery is here. The other guy says, no, I think it's here. One says, that's your opinion. You check an anatomy book. Someone comes to do some work around your house. You know, I think the pipe that carries gas is here. No, I think it's here. Let's dig here. You check the plans. Am I right or am I mad? It is not that's your opinion, my opinion. What does the Bible say? The seventh day? It has nothing to do with opinion. It has to do with a couple of things. One, I never knew. I'm glad I found out. Two, I thought I understood. Now I understand more clearly. Or three, I was telling a story of a man in Detroit. And I didn't finish it. I offered money. I said that part. Three, I don't care what you say. I'll do what I like. That man in Detroit where I offered the money, the wife went to him. Actually, we offered $2,500. The wife went to him. She said, honey, we need $2,500 to fix up the room. Go and get the money. <laughs> Find the text and go to the preacher. Get the $2,500. The husband told because she came and told me. The husband said, you know, I can't find the text. Then the wife said, well, why won't you do what the preacher says? The man said, I was born what I am and I will die what I am. Listen to me. I am not here to ask you for money. I have not told you, send me $40, I'll send you a little bottle of holy water. I have not said that. <laughs> you want holy water, read God's word. I have not said, send me $35, I'll send you a prayer shawl. You don't need a prayer shawl, get down on your knees for free. I have not asked you for a penny. I've asked you for your heart. That I may pour truth into it. And I've pleaded with you to listen. This meeting is not by accident. God sent it for you. This coming Sabbath, this coming Saturday, there are some people who will be coming to keep the very first Sabbath of their lives. Amen. We want to treat them very special. There are some people coming who used to keep the Sabbath and decided to come back to do it. And they raised their hands last night. They signed the cards. I prayed over the cards. Lord, keep them strong in their decision. If some of you weren't here last night, is there someone among you who will say, Lord, this message has touched me. The others I've heard. I would like to experience keeping a Sabbath. I'd like to do that, Father. If you'll help me, then he will. If there's someone here who will say that, you have not yet made that commitment. Can I see your hand? Do you like to keep a Sabbath? You haven't done that yet. Anyone, you have not yet kept a Sabbath, you like to keep one. In obedience to God, you have not kept one. Or is there someone here, you used to keep the Sabbath, you want to come back and do it. 
Raise your hand. If you raise your hand last night, I'm not talking to you. Bless you. Come, my good brother. Come with me. Come to me. Come. Come. Don't be afraid. Come. Church, say amen. amen. Say amen for obedience and courage. Come, my good brother. Come. Blessings upon you. Blessings upon you. God bless you. I don't want to put you in all the lights. You can stand right here, my beloved brother. I want some good brother in the church to come and stand with my good brother. Okay, he's coming up here next to me. He's okay. Anyone else? Either I've not kept the Sabbath, I'd like to see what it's like. I want to come this Saturday. Or I used to keep it for some reason. I stopped. I want to go back to doing what I know is right. Come. Raise your hand and come. No pain. Get up. Come. Keep it for the first time. Or go back to doing what you know is right. If you're too shy to come, write it on the card. I want to keep the Sabbath for the first time, or I want to come back to keeping it. Anyone else? You're not coming for me, you're coming in obedience to Christ. I want to obey God. Keep his Sabbath. Anyone else? Tell me your name. Emil. Say amen for my brother Emil. Anyone else? I want to keep the Sabbath for the first time, or I want to come back to do that. There are many shy people in these situations. If you're too shy to come, write it on a card. Give it to me at the door. Those of you who will say, Lord, thank you for the truth night after night. Give me the power one more day to be faithful to you. Stand up. God bless you. God bless you. Give me the power to be faithful. No one can be faithful without divine power. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those who have come to hear the word. I thank you for Brother Meal, who has come with courage and the conviction of your spirit. Others were too shy to come. They will write on the cards. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, give us a heart to do what's right. Because what's right is what's best for us. Help us to understand whenever you ask us to do something, it is for our happiness. Father, bless us. Bring us back tomorrow night. Give us a love for truth, a love for Jesus, and reserve a place in your kingdom for us, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his sake, let all God's people say, Amen and Amen. God bless you, my good brother. God bless you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow night. All right. Let me shake your hands at the door, please.